uh, I used the the color scheme of a bat that I did my whole career was oh, would not to him the cherry handle and the black barrel. Those That's, sand bats were absolutely gas. I got one actually. If I if I may, while you yes, can. you may. Yeah, you can. What do you nice mean? Cherry. Why were they gas? They were. I mean, sand bats came out. They were like one of the first like maple bats that became popular, mm-hmm. and. It just had a it just had a cool logo. Like the guys that would have the Sambat was were like those were those were the guys. Like if you had yeah, see that? Like they nice. it re- yeah. it was a trend. It it was they a were trend. big. They were like I mean Pujols when he was young in St. Louis used it. I think Pedroia for a while was a Sambat. You knew which guys were there. I tried. So I loved it coming up. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else I swung. And then even when I tried to get away from Sambat, it just nothing felt the same. And I, I never made the switch. So I used it my whole career. Yeah, Pujols, Pujols used it for a little bit. But then Pujols became Marucci. He went Louisville and then he became Marucci. He had that I-13. But the Sam, the Sambat, I think they ended up being bought by Wilson at some point and The Rideau Crusher. Yeah, the Rodeo Crusher. Is that how you say it? I think oh. it's the Rodeo. There you mm. go. EAU? I'm sure we'll get some help from the chat. EAU is usually like, like oh, right? This is – I said – I don't know. Yeah, Rodeo. Rodeo, like Rodeo. there needs to be an X at the end. This Rodeo. is Rodeo, Rodeo Drive. Rodeo Drive. <laughs> this, is, this is totally an off-season discussion. Yeah. We're in the off season, but like bats are something that are not discussed enough because unless you have the right people talking about it, you're not you're not really going to the depth that you need to talk about. Like you talk about a model, you find a model that you really like, but then like I swung Ash, and I was very fortunate because I swung Ash, and I swung Louisville, and. So not many people swung it. A lot of guys swing maple, and that's just what they felt was good. So I had the pick of so much better wood as a know-nothing player. The Louisville guy, the actual guy that would spin the bats was like, you swing ash. You swing a bigger ash bat so I can give you the best ash because there's only a handful of guys that I make ash bats for that are – more prominent than you. So he has to give those guys the bats, the straighter grains, the less grains, all that stuff. And I just think like guys, I just, it made me think of it because Sam bats, if you swung a Sam bat, like you were a dude, like they weren't just making a ton of Sam bats for everybody. Like it was, it was guys like silver slugger winners were getting Sam bats. Louisville. Go ahead, Scotty. I was just going to say, it was like some exclusive club. Like guys would try and be like, hey, can I get my hands on one? Yeah. And you for know? Kip to have it, you knew he was legit. Louisville cornered the market kind of when we were probably coming up through the minor leagues and stuff. That's the only bats you were given were Louisville sluggers, basically. Right. That unless you had a connection with your – unless you had a connection with an agent who would buy you bats. But they become expensive too. Sure. and Or if you get a deal from somewhere else, then Louisville kind of – all the, like Sam Bat uh, – Marucci, all these other ones kind of started cornering the market from there on, and Louisville kind of subsided. But they've made a good comeback from what I've seen. Yeah. Louisville, I, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Louisville Louisville signed a bunch of guys right at the end of my career. 
I had a signature bat. Like that was when I knew I made it. Like it was time for me to quit. They gave me a signature bat. And then I went to the factory and found out that they had given out like 200 that year. But hey, you know what? I got one too. And so I forever, I forever have a signature bat. But I mean, during my time, it was like, I'm trying to think if I have on the wall, I, I have, you know, there's Max Bat, Trout. He swings Old Hickory. There's Marucci, Victus. Victus is really hot with the kids right now. Like the young kids, they really like them because they make all these cool designs. Um, Cunha is Louisville. Is he? Yeah. Yeah. See, like, and that would be as a catcher. I always looked at, at dudes' bats. I would always look at guys' bats and, and like, try to see, like, what kind of model they would swing. Would you pick it up after they, like, ran to first or never. hit something? No. I never wanted to touch their garbage. But <laughs> I wanted any, anything I wanted to do was call pitches that would miss, to miss their bat. So I never wanted to touch it. I would never pick it up when they would, like, hit a foul ball and come running back to get it. I would not pick it up. I wasn't trying to be a jerk. It just was. Like, it's not my, I know, I know, you're shaking your head. You can talk to my first baseman. I wasn't going to pick him up. But. Chivalry is dead. I would definitely look at a guy and I would profile him based on his bat. If there's a dude that swung like a 271 and I look up Singles and he's hitter. hitting 210, I'm like, hmm, <laughs> this guy's going down. But if he's, hit, if he's hitting, a, if he's using a 271, and I look up and he's hitting 300. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's supposed to be a high contact guy. Slider away. Like we're, going, <laughs> we're going away. And if you get a guy that's swinging like an I-13, like, and it looks like, like Ozzy, Ozzy Albies, like it looks like his bat's like 35 inches long. I'm like, oh, intimidation. <laughs> it's like those old Mark McGuire bats that they use. Those I-13s are huge. Yep. That's what I swung. I swung an I-13. Yeah. Hey, let's bring in our next guest on FT Live, and might as well bring the back conversation in there. I don't know how much he caught it. Austin Slater (laughs) joining us right now. Yeah, what do you got? What What are you swinging around these days? Yeah, I I I like that combo. I was uh, I was digging it. I'm swinging I13, uh, modified I13. But yeah, you're right. Ozzy Ozzy swinging a 35 inch bat. That thing looks like it's just as tall as him almost. Seriously, swings him. Yeah. But you're you're I thirteen now. Do you are you like a thirty three and a half, thirty four guy? Thirty three and a half, uh, thirty one and a half. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you had to put the weight in there. I get it. You're you're minus two. You're a drop two guy. But I switched. So I was swinging a thirty four. Now don't get me wrong. Like I gotta make sure everyone knows. I hit two oh nine in the big leagues. Okay. So this is just my only hitting discussion. And AJ's not on here to just rip me because I couldn't hit. But. I switched to a 34 and a half back in like 2006. And literally, I think Louisville put the extra half an inch. They made the barrel an inch longer. Like the 34 and a half I-13 looks okay. like it's huge. Yeah, I, I tried a 34, 34 for a while uh, when I was swinging ash, trying to get that like steel rod wood. Yeah. Um, and then as soon as I got to the big leagues, um, had to change that real quick because, uh, you know, you're seeing 95, 98 pretty much every day. So uh, that was a little tough on the hands. You know, you know, yeah. that 34, that's the other part, Scotty, not to go even farther. Like he said, 34, 34. Like now all of a sudden you're getting a bat that's like an absolute just, it's just iron. Like it will never break. And it has super pop. 
but you got to face dudes that are throwing like, like when I came up, like 86, 89. Yeah, your classic AAA starter throwing 89. You can, you can catch up yep. to that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Austin, let's get to your performance then. So I want to point this out. Um, first few years in the bigs, you were close to league average. These guys probably know one of the most basic stats nowadays. It's a little more advanced. I think it's easy for people to comprehend is OPS plus. I'll read it out. League average is 100. 2020, 151. 2021, 101. 2022, 121. 2023, 107. Right? And obviously, when you go above that mark, it's very impressive. You're very much a impactful contributor in the big leagues. Do you think you're underrated? Um, I like to think so. Um, you know, I, I've been used, uh, you know, we had a cap and a, and a staff that was uh, pretty analytically driven. So, you know, they were using me in situations where they thought, um, you know, I could best succeed. And, and that was mostly just against left-handed pitchers. Um, so historically, I think in my career, I've, I've done really, really well against them coming off the bench or um, starting just against the left-handed starters. Um, and I think early in my career, um, you know, I was – playing for Boach, who was very much ride the hot hand kind of guy. And you go in a little slump and the next thing you know, you're facing the closer in a, in a national league game off the bench. Doesn't matter what hand he is. You're, you're hitting for the pitcher. And um, so, you know, that, that can, uh, that can sink the stats even further, but you know um, like that, that experience though, that I got doing that, even though it was difficult, uh, I think kind of helped me to get to where I am now. Wait, so you're saying there wasn't like, something in 2019 that like catapulted your career after a little bit of ups and downs earlier, there wasn't like a single person who was really good looking that catapulted your career or anything like that. No, maybe some, maybe some guys helped along the way. That's there's no doubt. There's quite a few of those guys that have helped, especially the good looking ones, but uh, none of them are here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, was able to make some swing adjustments, uh, and, and then, um, you know, uh, seeing guys, I don't, I don't know if you've talked on the show about like Craig Wallenbrock and some of these other like quote unquote hitting gurus and, you know, was able to go see them. And then we got a staff um, hitting coaches that, that made some impact like Justin Vealy and um, Donnie Ecker, who's who's now in, in Texas. Um, he's been incredible with them. I think you, you can see it from from their numbers, but he was with us in, in 2020 and 2021. Um, and so those guys definitely had a huge impact as well. We talk all the time about cap and how the giants kind of employ, you know, employed their team and deployed them out onto the field. Some, some guys, you know, they're done in the fifth inning. Do you feel like now that Bo Mel's taken over, do you feel like he's going to be able to put you in the same situations to have a lot of value to have, because we talk about free agents, not wanting to come there for a one year, come to San Francisco for a one year thing. Ooh, I'm not going to be able to, upgrade my my value if I'm only getting 400 at bats and I need 650 yeah I, I think um Bill Mel brings like a perfect blend of of kind of like the ultra new school um and and kind of the old school mentality like if you you know I've played against him forever with the A or you know he's managed the A's and the Padres and you know he still pinch hits quite a bit um and, and deploys his roster in that way I think um, you know, like you can look back at the A's, they had Pender and Tony Kemp, you know, platooning. And, um, but I think, I think he's, he likes the more traditional, like, Hey, I'm, I'm down to platoon a couple positions, but you know, I'm going to ride or die with my guys. Um, 
And so I think, I think that that'll be um, a slight difference from, from last year and uh, where we were, st- you start hit pinch hitting for everyone. And, and I'm not saying that's wrong because we did that in 2021 and won 107 games. So um, I think it can work as long as the personnel's right and, and guys buy in. But um, I think the traditional setup uh, tends to, to help, you know, team morale and, and guys, you know, as you know, like there's ups and downs in the season and, um, you know, you're in one of your down slumps and you start getting pinch hit for in the fourth or fifth, you know, that can start messing with you a little bit. But, um, you know, if, if you're a platoon guy and you know that um, and you expect that, it's I don't think it's that big of a deal. Austin, you've been known now for years as someone that's good at just going with the flow, right? Because you've been in this system for a while and you know, trusting the process for lack of a better term. So yeah. how many guys, obviously without naming them, Kratz is going to say name them, have you come across so that have really struggled mentally with the fact that they're platooning more or they're getting taken out of a game mid-game and they felt like they were just hitting their stride? I'm sure you've come across quite a few guys that you know get to the clubhouse after the game and they're really pissed off just with the process, even though they knew what they signed up for, at least some of them. Yeah, I, I think um... – well, I think first, first of all, it's, it's more of the, you know, if you're, if you're not going well, sometimes you want to just grind through it. And sometimes you're like, Hey, give me the fuck out of this game. You know, like, yeah. you're like, get me out of here. Like I, I, I want someone else to help, help the team win. So I think there's like ebbs and flows of it uh, with guys, but I, I think it's, it's more of just the difficulty of coming off the bench and, and learning how to do that. Well, um, that, you know, is, is an adjustment unless you've done it. So um I, I think it, you know, it depends on the personnel. I, I think guys have struggled with it and some guys, you know, take to it uh, really well. It's, it's hard. It's hard to say how someone's going to react. Um, you know, with the national league rules changing now to the permanent DH, uh, you have less and less guys that have done that in the past. So um, I think it's only going to kind of get harder from here. Yeah. But have you ever seen anybody that's like, wow, I'm hot, man. I hope like, I hope they keep platooning me, or or no, I, I I hope they I hope they don't platoon me anymore because I'm hot. Like it's usually right. the guys that struggle, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. But um, you know, I I've been in that situation where you know I've I've been you know over 300 and you know still still doing the platoon stuff and um, but I you know I, it's maybe a little bit different for me because it's something I've done a lot in the past and um, you know I'll, I'll voice my you know opinions here and there but um at the end of the day like i just want to win like you you've been on good teams you've been on bad teams it's it's just way more fun to go to the yard when when everyone's clicking and you're winning ball games and it doesn't matter how um but you know when when the team's struggling and and that stuff starts happening then uh you know it can turn south real quick are you guys gonna be on which which kind of team are you gonna be on this year which I, which I of those we're two be on teams? A winning team yeah, yeah? I, I think so. I think, um, you know, I think we're going to we're going to play better defense this year, which has been kind of something that's, uh, you know, been our Achilles heel the last two years. Uh, I think that's going to be a focus. Uh, you know, we brought in uh, uh, Lee from Korea. and He's he's supposed to be an incredible center fielder. And that's going to, I think, help our outfield defense quite a bit. Um, and then, you know, I think we've got pieces around the infield that, um, you know, can play some defense. So. Uh, I think that with our pitching is, is how we're going to win some ball games. Um, and then I think our, our hitters, we, we had a uh, incredible second 
half collapse in terms of uh, production. So I think if, if we're able to just find a little more consistency in the second half, um, we'll be good. I mean, we were holding on to a wild card spot pretty much the whole year until probably the last two, two and a half weeks. So um, I, I think there's some things that are, are going in our direction and uh, I think we'll be on a winning club this year. I'm, I'm a fan. I don't think people realize how hard it is to platoon and to have success like that. The, the guys who get to do play every single day can work through some stuff and they have more chances to get going. But if you don't play for two or three days and expect it just to contribute right away, I don't, I really don't think people understand how hard that is to stay locked in to make sure you're doing all your drills and all like that and to keep feeling good. And that's what I'm going to transition into uh, a bone spur from your back last year. Uh, elbow, elbow for me. Oh, yeah. your elbow, elbow. Yeah. How did, how did that come about and how are you feeling now? Yeah. I, um, you know, it's probably been something that um, has has been there for a while, but I, I was having some nerve issues in my my uh, arm pretty much all year. Um, so, you know, I was on on and off prednisone a couple of times and and kind of just like playing through it. Um, I think I hit the IL for it a couple of times. So um, it was just something I was playing through last year and and was able to take care of it this offseason. I uh, had the surgery and uh, back to hitting and, and throwing. And so it should be full go for spring training. But um, yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely, uh, not, not the best season for, uh, health, health reasons last year, but, uh, we were able to make it through and, and, and help the team. The good old dose pack got you through some stuff. Huh? <laughs> got me feeling really nice. Yeah. <laughs> I've been on that once or twice. That'll, that'll yeah, clear up. Times. That'll clear up the best. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. We talk about it all the time and I kind of, I kind of mentioned it just yesterday. We we're talking about the giants are going to be built on like, like what you said, defense and pitching do you do you feel like that takes pressure off you as a hitter or do you feel like oh I gotta do more because this is a big park unless it's a day game when the birds come flying in for all the trash like that's the only time we can hit dingers like night games I gotta do a certain thing or is it less pressure because eh, they don't expect much we're just gonna put the ball in play and see what happens yeah, I think early in my career, you know, you, you go from the PCL, as you guys know, uh, which is a launching pad to then, you know, going to Oracle to play your games. You're, uh, it's it's <laughs> definitely an adjustment and you start hitting balls and you're like, oh, that's gone. And then it's caught at the warning track and you're like, all right, like I got to I got to swing harder. And and that's never a good a good place to be. Um, so I, I think, uh, you know, the the age of analytics is actually kind of helped and, um, you know, the uh, WRC plus, you know, these, these things that are, that are starting to adjust for ballpark factors. And, and I think more and more guys are starting to understand, um, you know, how these park adjusted stats, you know, work and that, Hey, like if I just play my game, it's going to be, it's going to be good at the end of the year and, uh, I'm going to be evaluated fairly. And, um, and I, I don't need to worry about, I don't need to put any extra juice into it. So, uh, but I do think, you know, when your team is built on pitching and defense, it does take a little pressure off the offense. Like, we just need timely hitting. We need to run the base as well, um, you know, and, and play old-school baseball, which move the runner, get them in, uh, which I think uh, can help can help an offense kind of maintain uh, a level balance line throughout the course of the season so you don't have to push too hard. Another thing that we've heard coming out of San Francisco is the fact that people don't want to come and sign there. People don't want to, you know, which I think can kind of be crap because Judge got offered a huge contract. Correa actually agreed to a contract. So, like, 
people have like they're offering and people have accepted Correa accepted it last year, but the narrative out of it is, Oh, people don't want to live in San Francisco. Can you agree with that or completely disagree with it? Well, um, so I, I live in San Francisco full time. So, you know, I would, I would fundamentally have to disagree with that. I, I do think that there sometimes is this uh, misconception uh, about San Francisco. And a lot of it is just because, you know, where teams stay, um, in the city they they stay at hotels that are a couple blocks away from probably the worst part of the city and every every city's got their you know their armpits you know new york has them chicago everywhere but usually the teams stay a little further away and you're able to gauge the city a little bit better uh it's just a little unfortunate that in san francisco uh most of the hotels the teams stay at are, are are right in the armpit so uh, or close. So that's, that's something that, you know, I, I talked to guys, you know, I saw Jordan Hicks this morning. He's about to do his, his press conference um, for signing and I uh, was giving him recs on, on places to go and uh, neighborhoods that are great. He wants to live in the city, which I think is phenomenal. And, and it's, it's a beautiful city. I, I mean, hopefully you were able to take some time and, and go explore when you're visiting, but, um, and get out of, you know, Union Square and, and the Tenderloin area and, and, and check it out. But, you know, there's, there's unbelievable spots in the city, Golden Gate Park, Presidio, uh, North Beach. Um, so yeah, I, I like to push back on it, but I, I do think that is a perception that's persistent throughout the league. And um, it's a little unfortunate because it's, it's a beautiful city. Now you're a Jacksonville guy. Are you and, now after going to Stanford playing for the giants for a hundred years are you a San Francisco guy? Are you a Cali guy now? Uh, I, I, want, I need to know this because in baseball, for, for the fans, like where you're from, like you go to Jacksonville, you go play, I think, the double-A teams in Jacksonville or something, mm-hmm. or triple-A now. I'm not sure what they are. You go there and it rains. People are like, oh, man, this is the armpit of America, Jacksonville. <laughs> so where's your allegiance? Hey, uh, you know, my, li- my driver's license says California now, so I, I got to – I guess I'm I'm uh, staying strong to the Bay Area right now, but you know Jacksonville's got its nice parts too. We're we're, we're uh, you know we're we're on the up and up. Yeah, that's that's fair. Hey Austin, what else did you hear from Jordan Hicks? Give us the lowdown of the reaction to that signing, and can kind of combine it with the rest of your evaluation of what the Giants have been up to this offseason so far. We'll get to Lee and Robbie Ray as well. Yeah, um, I think he was excited. Uh, I mean, he was he was going through like the physical process yesterday, and so uh, got to talk to him just for a quick second. And um, you know, he sounds excited. Uh, they're going to let him start, which I think is great. Um, you know, I'm just I'm glad he's on our team. It's he's he's one of those guys that um, that you face, and, and he throws. You know, he averages over a hundred on his fastball. Um, but you see him, and then you see like. Helsley, you know, who also throws a hundred for, for the Cardinals. And there's something about the way that, that Hicks throws that it looks like 120 after seeing, <laughs> after seeing Helsley, like he's jumping down the mound, he's coming like on top of you and he's got just power sink. Um, so he's, he was probably my least favorite guy to face in the league. And so, uh, you know, it's always nice to add those guys to your roster so you don't have to face them anymore. Um, and so I, I'm excited. He's he's uh, he's got the sinker. He gets a lot of ground balls. He's going to keep the ball in the park, and uh, he's going to punch some tickets. So 
Um, I think him with Logan Webb and, you know, we get Cobb back uh, and then Robbie Ray back halfway through. Uh, I think that that's a pretty elite top four right there. And are you ready for the grandson of the wind? A grandson <laughs> of the wind? Oh, Do you yeah. know about this? Yeah, that's his nickname out there, <laughs> Jung Hu Lee. I, I saw I saw the videos. Uh, yeah, I, I was able to meet him when he came through. Mm. Um, you know, he's he he's got a great personality, and um, you know, he kept telling us to treat him like like a rookie. And I was like, well, you know, you got an MVP <laughs> over there in Korea, but he he wants to be he wants the whole American experience, and uh, he looks like he can he can ball a little bit. So uh, excited about that. I like that. So Kratz sometimes thinks it's unfair that the pros coming over from Japan or Korea are eligible to be rookies, right, Kratz? But if they're treated like rookies by their teammates, I think I'm, that helps a little bit. I'm in on that. <laughs> yeah, he was he was really excited about like rookie dress up. Like he, he wants to be all in on it. I was like, Are you sure? I like, yeah, I, I respected it, but I was like, we, we don't have to do that. And he's like, no, no, I want to do it. We're like okay, like hey, like more to you. Like we'll we'll do it if that's what you want. Make them okay, sing. Make them sing and, on the front of the bus. Oh, I mean that's a guarantee. Regardless, you know, every, everyone everyone gets up there for us at some point. So, uh, got to show off the vocals. Who was who was the best? Who was the best this year? I, I always ask this. I'm I'm a big front of the bus guy, but yeah, uh, Manaya was pretty elite. Um, he, he's got a good voice. Um, Blake Sable, actually sneaky, really good voice too. Um, you know, he he was a little, almost a little too eager to get out there as a rookie. Uh, uh, but yeah, that doesn't count. That doesn't count. Then who was who was who ended up who ended up in the crapper because they were the worst. <laughs> oh man, um, Casey Schmidt ended up in there quite a bit. I think that was more by choice. Like he would he would he would mouth off like with the intent of like getting guys to react, which was, you know, fun, kept it lively. And um, you, you got to have a guy like that that keeps it interesting. So <laughs> it was fun that he was able to do that and, and took it in stride and, uh, you know, put him in there for a couple seconds and then he comes right out. So uh, Congrats, do, you remember, do you remember what you had to dress up as your rookie? Uh, I dressed up as a beer maid. It was the only thing that pseudo fit. But I kept the outfit, and I've tried to I've tried to wear it for Halloween for for like I mean at least the last six years. And my wife's like, "We are not opening the door if you are dressed <laughs> that way." And I was like, "All right, but I keep it. I definitely keep it." Kip, you remember your first song that you ever sang? Uh, Temptations, I think. I think I went with yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think. My I did not have a pleasant uh, dress up. This wasn't unique or anything i think they went to like the target and got like superhero underwear like whitey tighties but just underwear and uh i think it was like shelly duncan or something just like lined us up off the bus and had to like walk back to the hotel in like a single file line almost in just underwear in detroit too yeah there's 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 some fun ones i've seen like uh, cheerleading outfits are like with tutus and rollerblades that they had a rollerblade back to the hotel from like, <laughs> from like 300 yards away. You'll have the bus stop and they just got a rollerblade the rest of the way I've had. Uh, but the beer maid, like they would be in those outfits and have to rollerblade up and down like the plane to serve drinks to the older guys or anything what they needed. And um, it's a fun time. I've had guys have a blast with it. I've seen guys that it was like pulling teeth on them to get them to 
to do one. There's probably one story I couldn't share. I'll share it off. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the person that it's pertaining to is the reason why. Sure, fair. I um, think I think the best one we did we had uh, the Reno nine one one cop outfits. Yeah. So like the yeah. short short booty shorts uh, on the guys. They they all they all actually they bought in. It was it was a, it was a lot of fun. They were serving drinks on the plane, wearing those. So that was that was pretty good. That was probably our best one. Austin, last one for you. So I think you're still part of the PA, right? With, I mean, obviously, you're all, everyone's part of the PA, but in terms of an executive subcommittee role, are you still the what the team rep? Uh, I am. Uh, I am executive subcommittee. I'm pension rep. Um, pension. So rep. moved on. Uh, I, I handed off the team rep uh, role to Lamont Wade. Um, so nice. Just wearing one hat now, which uh, nice. It's a big lucrative hat that needs to be, you know, um, taken care of, I'm, I'm sure, for all the players on the pension side. So my question for you, just being part, a bigger part of the union representing the players, I ask this to most in this spot. If you're a commissioner for a day and you can do anything, it could be rules, it could be business, it could be literally anything. You could add 10 teams, subtract five, whatever you want. What would you do that you think would improve the game overall as a sport, as a business, as a fan experience? Mm. Um, you know, it was something that we, we harped on quite a bit in the last CBA and, and that was like the anti-tanking measures. I, I think, um, you know, it's hard as a, as a fan of the game to watch a team, just tear it down and just wave the white flag before the season ever, like ever starts. And I, I think that's the beautiful thing about baseball. It's 162 games. Every team has the same chance to start out the year. And you see teams like the Pirates got out to this crazy hot start and their fans got excited. And we go to Pittsburgh when they're still playing pretty good ball and stadiums packed and, and fans want to go out and, and watch it. And I, I think it's tough, um, you know, as a fan base to see your club suck for five years. And, and they're saying like, hey, no, this is how we have to do it. And it's just not actually the case. Like you don't have to tear everything down. You can go out and sign, you know, five, six you know, mid-tier free agents, not break the bank and have a competitive ball club and keep fans and kids engaged in, in the game and, and grow your fan base. Um, so I, I think, I don't know if there's, if there's one thing, I, I would have the, the lottery draft like all the way up and down the, um, the league. I think, um, you know, I think that you could put in a commission maybe from the um, owner's office or the MLB league office to ensure that there's um, – teams not intentionally tanking for draft picks um, on the rebuild. I think that's probably where I would start because, um, you know, I think that would help players, you know, in free agency, but it would also just help fans in the game of baseball. That's by far the best place to start. We are all on the same page on that one. We yeah. talk about it quite a bit. We need our sport to be super competitive from top to bottom, and that is the way to do it. Some people complain about, oh, some teams spending more than others, but yeah, other teams can spend more. They just choose not to because they're incentivized not to so yeah that's a great right. call dude i like that it would make many fan bases way happier and happy mm -hmm. fan bases lead to better experiences lead to more money for everyone lead to our sport thriving so well said dude um it's great to have you on austin really appreciate you joining us for the first time here on ft live hope you had fun and uh enjoy the rest of the off season we'll see you in spring training yeah yeah thanks for having me guys. Right, good luck thank you austin great stuff Austin Slater of the San Francisco Giants.